Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Randy Bach, and I'm here with a coronavirus conversation, May 4th, 2022. <clears throat> if you have any specific questions, uh, pass them along. I'm going to try to get right to it. I went to an interesting lecture uh, today online uh, by a uh, <clears throat> professor, Paul Friesters, uh, from the Netherlands. He was at the London School of Economics for a little bit, and I believe he's an, he's an economist. And he uh, provided some interesting insights that I'd like to share. Let me see if I can just uh, pull them up. Um, he uh, has very interesting articles at the Brownstone Institute. And uh, he has, I'm going to pull up his, um, his um, PowerPoint presentation here. Let me see if I can make it big enough. Um, let's see, share the screen. Sorry about this. Um, So uh, he has uh, well-being cost-benefit analysis in times of corona. And um, I'm not going to be able to go through all this. Uh, but the point is, you know, how do you quantify what was done to us? Um, and he invented a unit, I believe, called the Welby. Uh, I'm not sure if he intended Marcus Welby or not. Uh, but it's basically a well-being unit. Uh, he's Dutch, so he may not have been in touch with uh, our good Dr. Marcus Welby. Uh, but it's a great name. Uh, where where does it actually come up? I'll get to it in a little bit. Um, but he tries to put, uh, you know, as economists do, he tries to put a number on things. I'm not sure you can put a number on everything, but in the aggregate, there are probably some things that are better than others. We always make difficult decisions. And this is, uh, it brings up what a cost benefit analysis would be like. And here's the example of adding an extra runway at Heathrow Airport. And, um, you know, this is going to provide this kind of benefit versus some other kind of benefits. And then you make a decision on which one's going to provide the best benefit and the least um, the least negative. Um, so that's kind of standard um, means for you know deciding big projects. Uh, part two of the presentation is is the well be. So what is what is a well be? Um, we well, we, we want the government, we want every aspect of our life to, as he says here, maximize happy years lived. Um, and that's, therefore, the, the well-be, this unit, I mean, we, we've heard of the QALY, the quality adjusted life year. Um, but he's talking about how well you feel while you are living these years. So that's very it's similar in kind, and I'm not going to be able to dissect one from the other per se. Um, but uh, uh, here he brings up uh, how, how much is a well-be. Um, overall, how satisfied are you with your life nowadays? Uh, zero is not at all. And so the, um, a normal uh, level for someone who is very healthy is roughly an eight. The level at which people are indifferent between living or not at all, uh, living on or not, is around two. So he concludes one good year of health is worth six well-be. That's one regular year of happy life. So that's um, the unit he comes up with. And presumably, if you're in a coma, um, you know, at 90 years old in a nursing home, uh, you're not really, you know, getting much of these well-be units. Um, and then there's a lot of times these items are sacrificed one way or another. So he, he's trying to make this into a, a unit uh, that people can, you know, help decide, um, you know, public cost and, and net benefits uh, in terms of these well-bees. And he's got an interesting graph. I, I can leave the link here if you want to look at this more yourself. Uh, the, you know, basically the um, cost effectiveness, um, cost per well-be of certain interventions at work and the environment and governmental services. So 
like a Pakistan, I guess the MH maybe mental health intervention is going to cost very little because uh, you know things are less expensive there. Do a lot is high you know density of um, of population, and you know the Lon London Olympics uh, cost a lot more per unit of well-being. Um, and then you know there's anyway there's various aspects and you can parse these yourself. So um, the term was coined by uh, uh, Paul Friesters. Um, and there are people adopting this. Spain has a an annual um, uh, web uh, it has a website showing the annual change uh, worldwide in well-being units, uh, how much people are doing better. And, and I think the world was doing better overall across the board until uh, 2019, 2020. Um, and we've seen uh, a decrease in that. Um, so he applies it to COVID policies. And, um, and then basically there are trade-offs. You know, you wanna prevent this, you wanna prevent somebody in the ICU um, getting very, very ill, potentially changing his life negatively. Um, so forth, but we're creating a lot more simultaneously of this. And I was uh, thinking of an example while he was uh, lecturing. I brought it up to him afterwards, um, of uh, you know a, a tale of two cities, kind of a tale of two um, uh, elderly moms. Uh, my mother-in-law lived with us uh, the last uh, almost nine years, and uh, she recently passed. And God bless her, um, and may she rest in peace and all that. But um, my friend's mother. Um, she, uh, um, was, had a terminal illness and had, you know, year, year, year and a half to live. And during COVID she became isolated. So she had kind of uh, the worst of both these worlds. She, uh, had this kind of health condition, not quite as bad as that because she was in a hotel with nursing care, uh, but she never got to see the outdoors. They wouldn't let her outside because of, I don't know what illness. So I had people coming in with masks, uh, at a distance to her. And I remember this uh, hugely poignant, poignant photograph of her um, that he shared, and not necessarily with the same sentiment that I'm having, that it was so wonderful. At a certain point, like a year after the beginning of COVID, she went outside, like April um, 2021. And she went outside, and she had, you know, felt the sun on her skin for the first time in over a year. Uh, she passed uh, uh, about a month later, or within weeks after that. Um, but during that duration, nobody visited her at all. And it was just hugely sad. Um, conversely, you know, my mother-in-law, we saw her every day. Uh, I didn't see her every day, my, my wife did. My wife kissed her goodnight without a mask. And um, she had caretakers. And if people were ill, they wore masks. But if they weren't, they didn't. And oddly enough, as I mentioned before, the hospice people insisted on wearing masks uh, towards her very end the last uh, couple of months. And that made no sense because she did, wasn't able to bond with them. Maybe she wouldn't have anyway, but uh, for a good part of that, she was, uh, you know, alert. And, um, I, you know, I think she got more out of the people who, who stayed with her and not thinking about wearing masks for somebody who is in hospice level, uh, end of life situation. And so we have to consider, you know, how we are handling this. So, you know, we, we're creating more of these and these, I guess, the protests and there were a lot more in Australia and so forth. And we're eliminating, you know, groups and congregations like concerts and, and weddings and so forth, the, the fun things we have in our lives, the great moments. And we're, uh, you know, bringing about uh, this kind of, uh, you know, nameless, um, you know, fear and like uneducated, uneducated um, fearful, dysfunctional children. I mean, uneducated in the sense they were kept out of school, the old dying alone, which I brought up. And we're creating um, 
you know, situations where people lost their chances to have children um, through IVF because of the hospitals. I think he's referring more to England um, and all kinds of, uh, you know, uh, I guess, retrenchments in treating other illnesses, all kinds of treatment postponed. So he's dealing mostly with the United Kingdom. Um, and, you know, some of the others have adopted his his uh, philosophy here. I just wanted to bring it up. Um, so, you know, how, how can we basically count how well things did and, and keep people to account? And I, I'm not going to be able to, as skillfully as he, um, bring up all of these graphs. And I'd like to have him on the show perhaps uh, next week or so. Um, if you have an interest in, you know, that, maybe you can uh, write in and put some questions you'd like to pose to him. Um, but he goes on to show, you know, the, 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 the fraction of nursing home uh, deaths as a proportion of COVID deaths. And this was large throughout the Western world, you know, Belgium, 57%, Canada, um, I think in the, uh, 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 I can't even see the number there, 72%. Um, United States with 38, I actually heard it was 45%. Um, I'm not sure why the number is lower, but I guess the number was something like 45% of nursing home quality because some people were not in nursing homes per se, like my mother-in-law uh, at home. And so what would be the benefit then of present, preventing a 0.2% mortality, which ultimately uh, COVID, um, coronavirus, SARS-2, uh, wound up being in, in the realm of? And, um, you know, th this, he goes on, uh, he's got a number of slides here. I'm going to bris briskly go through them. But, you know, people's quality of life uh, dropped precipitously. Um, uh, February 2020, the pre-lockdown level in the United Kingdom was 7.5, and it went down a full point. And, uh, you know, you're talking about uh, an average, you know, across, I forget, you know, 60 million people or something like that. Uh, the UK, uh, they went spiraling down. Uh, it's probably even lower uh, since then because they've had, you know, really tough times. Um, and, and for what exactly? There was very um, little in the way of, of life saving um, through all the lockdowns, as we've seen. And we really, you know, have, a, a, you know, kind of hurt ourselves in so many ways as a result. Um, there's, uh, um, we've, you know, spent a lot of money and we could have spent it other places. And we've, you know, basically borrowing that money from ourselves uh, over the long run. Um, so the benefits, the 0.2% fewer COVID deaths would have been 36,000 well begun. I'm not going to go through all his numbers, but um, anyway, his point here is to you know come up with a way of, of quantifying um, the, uh, uh, the the cost, and th this is just kind of a framework for that. Um, I th I think uh, this is an article he wrote up early in the, the pandemic in April 2020. Um, I I'm not going to be able to go through it in full, but he brings up some of these issues that will happen, and I, I you know I think a lot of them did happen over time that. Um, uh, we did very poorly and uh, we've had, you know, high cost uh, for this. So here's, I guess, a couple more recent articles uh, by the same gentleman. His name is here, Paul uh, Friters. Um, uh, what COVID containment has done to our children. And I, you know, we don't, you know, the results aren't fully in yet, but there's more anxiety and depression. Um, and uh, here's the um, cases of anxiety. Uh, they, they, uh, went up. This is um, uh, the dotted lines before COVID-19. The solid lines are um, uh, during the pandemic. So all these numbers went up. Uh, depression, same thing, went up. 
and this is pretty much all age groups, but predominantly in the middle age groups. Uh, here it's young people, young, young girls in particular, uh, went up really high, um, depression, anxiety. Um, this is in Dutch. Uh, for who, those who can't read Dutch, uh, the important lines here, uh, life satisfaction. Uh, I'll, I'll let you read this maybe on your own. Um, I'll give you the link if you like. Um, so what we're creating, uh, we've had more obesity, um, lower education, uh, more anxiety. Uh, you know, they're huge costs. And these are easily uh, measurable. <laughs> There's also um, uh, some other issues. Uh, I'm not, again, I can't really spend our time completely reading uh, this, uh, but I'd like you to um, look at it. He also wrote a, a book, uh, The Great COVID Panic, um, based on all of this stuff here. I think it's very uh, reasonable to look at his book. I have not yet. Um, so uh, what is this one here? Age standardized mortality uh, rates for deaths related to, to drug poisoning, overdoses, basically. And so these numbers, um, this is uh, 2016, here's 2020. These numbers uh, took a leap. Now, I don't think the facts are in there, but you know when we talked about QALY, uh, the cost of the uh, lockdowns will um, far exceed uh, those lives saved, um, if at all, because the you know people killing themselves with drugs are much younger and they have far more... Um, life expectancy than those who are on the nursing home end of things. Um, the world catastrophe, there's another article uh, recently, you know, within the last month, the world catastrophe wrought by COVID lockdowns. Um, I recommend taking a look at this as well. Uh, this is some of the uh, same concepts. Uh, this shows here the, uh, you know, public spending jump uh, in the last year. This is, uh, you know, this is borrowed money. Um, you have to pay it back. You're going to pay it back with economic restriction. Um, there's lower tax base because you know, more people have lost their jobs and businesses. Uh, there's the idea of freedom, digital passports. Um, it's all kinds of stuff going on. And there are things still going on um, that, that we may not be quite as aware of um, that show up. Uh, where was I going to? Um, where was it? Um, I apologize. Uh, but uh, he was uh, bringing up um, this uh, Willem Engel uh, in the Netherlands, released from jail, uh, social media ban is torn up. But for the previous month, uh, you know, Netherlands, we think of as a you know, benign uh, place, Dutch people and uh, wholesome and uh, democratic and whatnot. Uh, but he uh, came out against the vaccine um, and uh, he gets arrested. You know, I, I don't see, you know, we, we keep on the streets, um, you know, frankly, uh, you know, just last week, uh, Kathy Boudin, uh, the mother of Chesa or uh, Boudin, who's the district attorney in San Francisco, and she was a terrorist, um, I think, like in the Weather Underground. And she was involved with the um, uh, killing of, uh, I think it was Brinks Trucks uh, workers. And, um, you know, spent time in jail for murder. Somehow she got out and she became a Columbia University professor. She was lauded. Um, her opinions didn't change. Uh, she stopped killing people. Um, but, you know, her opinions, I, I'm sure, are, are pretty much in aligned with, you know, communist overthrow of the U.S. government. Uh, she's allowed to walk and talk and, um, until her recent demise. Um, and uh, this gentleman is not. Uh, there are, you know, reasonable points to uh, be had about uh, some kind of uh, uh, um, skepticism over, over uh, coronavirus. Uh, vaccine. Um, 
I where was it? I was going to find. Um, there's a tweet I had recently. Um, I guess it's here. Um, this is our own CDC uh, director, Rochelle Rochelle Walensky. Um, and I think I can play it for you here, where, uh, in, in fact, the CDC points out this very same thing. So I'll blow this up a little bit, maybe. Um, and I think you can hear it. So the point of that is that, you know, she has uh, kind of two different opinions about the vaccine. She's showing some vaccine skepticism. Should she be, you know, imprisoned for that? I don't think so. Uh, she's pointing out data um, which exist. Um, and, uh, you know, there, there are studies um, out now. Uh, let me translate this to English. Um, did this translate? Yeah, here it is. So this is from Germany. Um, uh, and there, there are studies showing uh, risks from um, from the vaccine. This is the same post. I'm sorry. Um, and there's, you know, a lot of stuff showing. That I think there was a Danish study um, as well, uh, showing the same thing. Um, uh, there's, you know, I, I let's see if I can come up with this here. Um, there's a quick. Well, it's not, it's not that quick a video, but maybe I'll show you this, uh, that the COVID uh, vaccine does have issues. Let's see if I'll play this for you. So I'm going to pause for a second. Uh, this over here is, is Omicron. So the Omicron is pretty much like a bad cold, um, not the flu. Um, so that's what we're having here. So people are getting, keep getting vaccinated. My point repeatedly has been pe people are getting vaccinated for something that was uh, some two or three years ago, COVID-19, it's 2022. So even two years ago, that was the ancestral version circulating. Then we keep giving doses to people and lo and behold, they're not doing very much. So the positivity rate uh, by vaccination status of people hospitalized, the not vaccinated are being hospitalized at a lower level than the vaccinated. I have this on a little bit uh, faster rate to get through it. Um, I'll just see if I can play a few clips.
So I'm going to uh, leave this for a second. Anyway, the, the point here is that, you know, th this vaccine doesn't really show much benefit currently for people coming down with COVID, uh, which I call COVID-21. So COVID-19 vaccine, uh, there's no real reason it would show much protection for COVID-21 because things change. The example I am fond of is uh, if you had a restraining order against Alec Baldwin because he, you know, shot somebody on a movie set, um, it would, you know, when you have a police detail and they're all looking for him, uh, it would be um, reasonable, you know, if Alec Baldwin showed up, you know, but let's say, you know, at a certain point, you know, six months down the line, uh, Stephen Baldwin shows up, then uh, Billy Baldwin. And at this point, basically, we're at like Haley Baldwin, you know, his niece, uh, Justin Bieber's uh, wife. You know, if you have a restraining order against Alec Baldwin and she has some Baldwin aspects, you know, she's his niece, so they share some genetic uh, carryover, but she's not very Alec Baldwin-ish. She's Haley Baldwin-ish. And so you keep you know, telling the police de detail to watch out for Alec Baldwin. And lo and behold, you know, they let Haley Baldwin in and she's really not that dangerous anyway. So what's the difference? I mean, you can keep getting vaccinated for Alec Baldwin uh, in fear of Haley Baldwin because her name's Baldwin, but that that's pointless. It's, it's a, you know, it's not, it's a, it's not a win-win. It's not a bald win. It's, it's a loot. It's, you know, it's kind of a bald lose. It's, it's basically a lose-lose situation uh, for you to do this. Um, so, uh, you know, I think, the fact that people are, are still kind of going nuts over this uh, it says more about, you know, human nature than it does about uh, vaccines and so forth. Um, I, uh, I, I, you know, I've been Twittering um, a little bit more uh, in the post, you know, quasi Elon Musk era. I don't think he's officially owns the place yet, but there's a little bit more active discussion. This is kind of not my taste and flavor. Now, this is a, a hashtag which is pretty popular now. COVID is not over. Um, so, you know, you can look at this. Um, they're pointing out uh, cumulative confirmed COVID-19 cases. This is always a, a mistake because the cases, you know, if we weren't testing for COVID, we, we would say, you know, people have colds. We wouldn't even call this deep cold season. If you look around and, and talk to people, you'll find that, you know, I mean, I, I don't notice any more than usual numbers of, of people, you know, having coughs and sneezes and whatnot. This is part of life. Um, but on this, this is kind of like a, a fear tracker, I guess. Um, they talk about the number of cases and so forth. And they're gonna, you're going to find some people um, with, you know, death from COVID because they test every single person in the hospital. Um, uh, you know, but, but I don't know, I'm not going to spend forever on this, but it's just kind of an opposite viewpoint where they, are, they care about uh, case numbers. Uh, this is really kind of divorced from reality. Um, it's it's similar and and worse perhaps in in Shanghai. Uh, I'm gonna I don't know if I want to play the sound to this, but um, this is the kind of stuff. Uh, that's going on um, in in Shanghai, and I, you might have seen um, you know they have 25 million people locked down still, um, and and. You know, I know sometimes people don't care about humans so much, but uh, this is what they do to uh, dogs. Um, and uh, they're killing them on the street. I don't know why. Uh, I don't think dogs are the ones, uh, you know, unless you get up close and sneeze on a dog and vice versa. Uh, I don't think that 
um, this is really uh, a concern of yours. Um, this is you know, or shouldn't be a concern of China's. Uh, I don't think they've really, you know, integrated the dog into society the same way other places have. I mean, you know, literally, uh, there are places in East Asia which eat dogs, and I and I think people take them on pets. But I don't think as 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 you know, I, I think perhaps the government doesn't really uh, respect uh, dog ownership uh, the way we do here. Um, this is a reporter who was uh, uh, recently on uh, Tucker Carlson. I'm going to play this a little bit faster. Uh, hard to say it better than that. Um, just to kind of corroborate what she's saying, um, we can look at some of the uh, data. Here is uh, uh, Sweden, uh, daily deaths. Um, this is a country of, uh, I think, 10 million people or so. They're going to have maybe 300 deaths a day anyway. Um, you know, they have a uh, certain number of active cases with Omicron, uh, and they have some people uh, dying, but these are in the 30s. So this is like one-tenth of the number of people who would be dying per day anyway. Um, and, you know, they did this entirely without lockdowns. They're doing no worse than someplace like the UK, um, uh, which, you know, has a population, say, six times bigger, but uh, numbers um, it's, it's kind of, you know, look, this looks like UK is doing better, but the United Kingdom, I think has 60 million people or so, and, um, so six times bigger. So they should have 180, um, deaths to, you know, be the same as, as Sweden. They probably average a little bit higher. It's kind of, the numbers are variable during days of the week because the government doesn't work that well. Um, so this is, you know, it's, it's, the scales are different and the proportions aren't there, but the UK, uh, is doing no better than Sweden, and Sweden did nothing um, in terms of lockdowns. Uh, Israel had, had all kinds of things crazy. Um, they have about the same population as Sweden. Currently, they have fewer deaths, but they're, you know, they, they've, they've been, they maybe have the same kind of results, uh, but with uh, far worse um, means and modalities. A place like India, you know, one point, I don't know how many, 1.1 or 1.2 billion people. And uh, they, they, didn't really suffer very much in the way of, of deaths, despite being fractionally vaccinated. I think at a, you know, probably right by now, maybe 30, 
percent rate. Uh, the United States um, still has people going nuts over this. That COVID's not over and all that kind of stuff. But you really have to scour uh, to find any COVID deaths uh, in the United States. And so this is the top numbers here. Um, and we're talking about in the 30s. Georgia has a population of about 10 million people, and um, they, you know, are that would they would expect to have 300 deaths per day anyway. So these are very very small numbers of fractions of people within those you know communities uh, dying from COVID. And mind you, this is a time when everybody in the hospital gets tested uh, throughout. Uh, is there anything else I need to talk talk about today? Now let me just check my dashboard here. Um, so it doesn't look like uh, um, there's uh, much else uh, right off the bat. Um, what else do we have? Um, I think that's pretty much it. Um, if you'd you know, like to hear certain topics, let me know. Um, uh, you know I mean, I, I guess I could give one quick anecdote. Uh, our uh, goddaughter um, was uh, kept out of school recently. Um, she was, was tested uh, for COVID-19. Uh, you know, they, uh, I don't think she had many, in much more than a cold. Um, and, you know, kids don't really exhibit symptoms, even from the severe versions of COVID. Um, and uh, so she's out again. Uh, this has been a very rocky path. Uh, it's difficult to uh, assimilate to a new school and so forth uh, when the school shuts down for a year at a time and, and people are masked and so forth. Um, hopefully she does well. Um, hopefully you do well. Um, you know, the good news is that uh, the mask, uh, you know, we're taking down from airplanes. The bad news is it took a, a federal judge to do that. Uh, we, we need some mechanisms for public health control in situations for severe illness. I just don't think COVID was that. Um, so I'm going to call it a day, a night, and I look forward to uh, uh, talking with you again soon. Thanks so much.